my, my subject this morning is, I can do all things through Christ. Now, the question is, what does this text really mean? There are some Christians who think that because they are in Christ, because they are Christians, that everything will be good. And I mean, some believe everything. If they're in business, then they'll be successful because they're in Christ. If they're an employee, they will be promoted because they believe with God's help, they can do all things in Christ. They can do all things to make it happen. Young people who excel in sports in high school and then they go on to college and they can't make the team. And uh, somewhere in the past they've heard that you can do all things through Christ. And so they tried very, very hard. They worked for it and yet they, they didn't make it. It didn't work out that the way they thought it would. Well, too many Christians have applied this scripture out of context and have come to the conclusion that there must be something wrong with them or their Christian experience because things haven't worked out. So we need to find out the truth about Philippians 4 and whether or not we can do all things through Christ. In Philippians 4, verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now, this is Paul writing this letter, and the Philippians have always supported him, but then some time elapsed, and he didn't receive any, any, anything, and then all of a sudden he gets this gift, and he says that he greatly rejoiced uh, greatly in the Lord that at, at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So Paul is very diplomatic. He says, I, I knew that you meant to do it, and, and uh, you, didn't, you just didn't have the opportunity. And then he says here in verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, although he was. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances is. I wonder how many of us have learned that. It's a learning process. It just doesn't happen just because you're in Christ. And then it goes on to say here, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the Bible says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Or as the King James Version says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So here Paul is talking not about, not about wishing a wish list or anything else. Paul is saying that he can get through this no matter what. Doesn't make any difference to him. 
He'll get through it no matter. And that is Paul talking about the circumstances of his life. I mean, he had a tough life. He went through some tough times. He knows what going hungry is all about. He knows what being stoned is all about. He knows what being in prison is all about. He's been through it all. And he says, but I know that I can get through this because of the indwelling Christ in me. Well, that's the same way with us. We may be facing some difficulties. And we know, according to the Bible, that we can get through this even in, in all of our circumstances. Now, I know that there's a strong emphasis today on the prosperity gospel, where we need more money, better circumstances. And it's all there if you just believe it. But is that true? Is that really true? Is it God's desire that we all be rich? Is it all, is it God desires that you have a, a pleasant circumstantial life? We have, and then we have right now, we have what they call the social gospel. So you have the prosperity gospel. We, we can get anything and everything. And then you have the, the social gospel less money, willing to give everything up and suffer for the sake of the gospel. I had a very dear friend who was very successful and he decided that he was going to give everything to the mission field. He sold everything. He sold his house. He sold everything. And he gave it all 100% to the mission field. He thought that this is what God wanted him to do. And if he did it, that God would meet all of his needs. And he lost everything. And he lost his confidence in God. And it was, it was a very sad ending to his story. So then we have the true gospel. And that is whether we have little or whether we have plenty, we will learn to be content in all things. And it is a learning process. It just doesn't happen because we've accepted Christ. Now, Paul says in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, that's not easy to do all the time. There are circumstances in life, and I know that what uh, Leona's family is going through, there's just circumstances in life that cause us not to rejoice. In fact, when my wife passed away, I, when I went to the farm, I, I was out there asking God, I said, God, do you really want me to rejoice in this? Am I supposed to rejoice in this? And, but the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Of course, most of us know that Paul expected Jesus Christ to come back in his day. 
And so he thought that the Lord was very near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. But in every situation, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. I have not met too many people who could be anxious for nothing. We all seem to be anxious when things go upside down in our lives. And then the Bible says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, walking by faith is everything. Our challenge today is knowing and remembering what God has already done. This is the only way that we can fulfill what the scripture says. Be anxious for nothing. It's about knowing where we are in Christ. That Christ is in us. We're in Christ. And his desire is to live his life through us. But what happens when the reality of life really hits? When everything goes south, everything goes wrong. Now, being Christians, our, our first thing we do is we, we ask God for help. Please, God, we say, help us. And then we wait for God to give us an answer. But it doesn't take us too long, and we start our search. And we begin to look at our own lives. We look, begin to look at the strategy or maybe a program, a four-step program, a 10-step program that uh, would show us how to find, find ourselves in this mess and show us a way out. I can remember years ago, I think it was back in the 60s or 70s when the ABCs of prayer, Ask, Believe, and Claim, were very prominent in the Christian churches. In fact, I read a book on that, ABCs of Prayer. Ask, believe, and claim. And of course, that's what the prosperity gospel tells us to do. You can just ask God, but you need to claim it. You need to voice it. You need to claim it. And then God will, will fulfill that desire. Is that true? No. Obviously, it's not true. But it's so easy, and I can't tell you how, many, how much damage was done because of that simple ask, believe, and claim promise that they said came from God. But life becomes very confusing when things don't work out the way we want them to, the way, they think, the way we think they should. And it's sort of... It's sort of a mindset when it comes to us addressing God, praying to God. I catch myself all the time. When I, first thing when I wake up in the morning, I, you know, I, I, I say, good morning, Lord. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, but somehow, in the Christian's mind, when we ask God for anything, we picture God up there someplace. In fact, even the prayer, our Father which art in heaven, and then we picture Jesus Christ sitting at the right side, right side of God. And so now we got God the Father up there. We got Jesus Christ up there. And then we pray for the Holy Spirit to come down 
So obviously, he's up there. And so it's so difficult when, when people hear the message about Christ living in you, and it's all up there. It's all up there. In many churches today, people will stand and they'll pray that the Holy Spirit will come down on this place. Or the Holy Spirit will come down and fill them. When the Bible says that it's Christ that lives in you. And so everything about God seems to be up. And it's so hard for us to believe that he's in here. That God is here. The Trinity is here. And we need to remember to locate Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, do we really believe that Christ lives in us? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We want to start remembering what Christ has done in our life, what Christ is doing in our life, and how he is living through us. It's God's method that we would remember and trust in him. Now, there are a lot of good programs that came from the world that have been adjusted to fit into the Christian church today. And, and I'm not saying that these programs are bad. I think of AA and the wonderful work that they have done. Um, I've been to their meetings. A very good Christian friend of mine was going, and he asked me if I would go with him. And when I got there, they were kind of sitting in a circle. Each one would stand up and say, my name is Rick. I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Bill. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Sally. I'm an alcoholic. And then they would, they would give their testimonies. And so when we got out, he asked me, he said, well, he said, <clears throat> What did you think? And I said, I said, I, I think it's a wonderful program for non-believers. I do. I said, I think it's wonderful. But it would confuse a born-again believer. And then I looked at directly at him. And I said, you see, you're not an alcoholic. You're a child of God who had a drinking problem. But your identity is not an alcoholic. And every week, standing up telling everybody that you're an alcoholic, it's confusing. Because as all you were, you were a born-again Christian who had a drinking problem, and now you don't have that problem anymore. So it's about knowing it's about remembering who we are in Christ. Christ is in us. The word of God is in us. It's there. So when we face problems, whether it's in our marriage, our children, our work, our only responsibility to God is to trust that Jesus Christ who dwells within us will work out that problem. And he will. In John 
In John 20, 31, it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, that you might have an abundant life. And here the scripture says, because, because you have Jesus Christ as your Messiah, because you believe that he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Through Christ's death, we are saved from our sins. And through his resurrection, we've been given the gift of righteousness and eternal life. So do we really believe that we receive that gift of righteousness? Do we really believe that you are as righteous this morning as you'll ever be in your life? whether you never read the Bible again, whether you never pray again, you are as righteous right today, this hour, this moment, as you will ever be in your life. Whether you feel it or not, you were given the gift of righteousness, just like you were given the gift of eternal life. You're going to get eternal life whether you really believe it or not. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and you're born again, of course you do believe it. But whether you had doubts, there's a lot of things that happen in our, in our lifetime that causes us to rethink. Um, and after paying the price for the sins of the world, Jesus was resurrected to life, the resurrection life that is now available to all of us. And we all have it. The truth is that there is a new covenant. There is a New Testament that tells a different story than the Old Testament does. There's a new covenant that only became new when Jesus went to the cross. It was a new covenant. It brings to us a better way to relate to God. What is this better way, this new covenant? It was a contract between God and God. The old covenant was a contract between God and the Israelites. It didn't work. So let's read what the new covenant is all about. So it is written, so it is written that the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. What the Bible is saying is that Adam was born a spiritual being. You and I were born dead to sin. Christ was born a, a spiritual being. And he is now a life-giving spirit. That's why oftentimes you'll hear some theologians, they refer to Christ as being the second Adam or the last Adam. And so <clears throat> this last Adam made a contract and it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. Then <clears throat> it says, but he became a priest with an oath 
when God said to him, now this is the father, God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Now notice what the next verse says. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the quarter of the better covenant. So here we have God the Father. He made a contract with Jesus Christ that he would be a priest forever. Now, if there's any assurance of eternal life, this is a wonderful text for it. If I have Christ, Christ lives in me, he's going to live in me for what? Forever. He's going to live within me forever. And then the Bible says here, now there have been many of those priests since death preventing them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, you've often heard me say that we have been forgiven once for all. In other words, you are forgiven whether you ask for forgiveness or not. The sin issue was settled. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And so the sin issue is over. And then the Bible says, such a high priest truly meets our need. Noah, or excuse me, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. You see, it took the blood of Jesus Christ to take away the sins of the world. And it's not a day-by-day -day thing. Christ is not going to die tomorrow for our sins. He's not going to die the following day. He died for sin once for all. Now that ought to give us a lot of encouragement. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, if you do sin, the Bible says that Christ will, will not hold you accountable for any sin. He will not do it. Your sins are not only forgiven, but they are forgotten. God the Father made a promise to Jesus. God swore to Jesus that he would be a priest of this new way forever. What is the new promise, this new covenant, this new contract, this new way? This new way is about being a child of God, knowing and remembering that you're a child of God. 
even when we aren't faithful, he is. He is faithful. The new way, the new covenant is about, we don't, we don't, we don't make up requirements to remain in God's favor. A lot of us have made that mistake. I certainly have. Years ago, over 15 years ago, for, for many years, I had tried to put law and grace together. And I wasn't fully a law keeper. And so when I heard that the law was done away with, it never really bothered me. But I felt that I had a responsibility to keep the law. Not to be saved, but because I was saved. And so I gave it everything I could to try to keep the law. And then when I, when I, I knew about grace, was unmerited favor, I appreciated grace. And so I tried to combine the two together, and it just doesn't work out. Either the law has been done away with, and we accept that and believe that and live it, or we will try to combine the two and we'll be frustrated. But the new way is to trust God in what he said. You are dead to the law. You are alive to God. It's about God's desires being imprinted in our hearts. This is the strong emphasis I try to put on what happened when you were born again. You received a new heart. That new heart has no desire to sin. Absolutely none. When we do sin, we feel bad because we went contrary. We listen to our flesh. We listen to that power of sin that dwells within us. And occasionally we all do that. But we're not happy with it. And the reason is because we got a new, a new heart. And that new heart has desires, almost has a desire to be like in a oneness with God. The new way is about our sins being completely forgiven and forgotten. The new way is about our obedience coming from God, working in us. That's where our obedience comes. We don't promise God, oh, Lord, if you do this, I'm going to do this. No, we don't do that. We've all done it, but that's not our new way. Our new way is trusting what Christ said is true and is true every day and every moment of our lives. It's about knowing that the Holy Spirit seals us. What a wonderful feeling to wake up and know that not only are you in Christ, but you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says that no one can pluck you out of, out of his hands. That's why the Bible says that you are his forever. Because you are sealed. And nobody can break that seal. Not even you can break that seal. Nobody can. Listen to what Paul says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You feel free, because you are, you are, 
You have been set free. God wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to try to figure out how to be some, somebody else. He wants you to be you because you're unique. And God wants to work through you because you're the only one like you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that's why Paul got on the Galatian church. He got on them and he said, you foolish Galatians, what, what, what's going on with you? Here you started so good and now somebody comes by and gives you another story and then you jump to that story. No, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Every one of us are free in Christ this morning. We are free to be who we are. We don't have to carry our Bible a certain way. For years, I felt very uncomfortable. I mean, I knew what a pastor is supposed to look like and be like, and I knew how to carry my Bible a certain way, all that kind of stuff. But that was, really wasn't me. And it, it seemed like that whenever I was around somebody, I worked with about 500 different preachers, and whenever I was around, the, I could tell the ones that were faking it to make it because I was doing the same thing they were doing, faking it to make it. But that's not the way it is. Christ wants us to be who we are. He wants us to be free. And he wants us to trust him. And that's the hardest thing that any of us will ever have to do is to trust him. When tough circumstances come up in life, just to say, Lord, I, I can't figure it out, so I'm not going to try, but I'm going to trust you. You live in me, you, and I've given you permission to live through me, so I'm just going to trust that you'll do that. You can sit back and you can say, all right, I'm going to try not to be anxious for anything. I'm going to try that. And you'll find that the more you remember what you already know, the easier and easier that's going to become in your life. God is here to free us from the hassles and the problems and the issues of life. And he'll do that for every one of us. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that we can have full confidence that you are in us and that your desire is only to live through us. And we pray and we ask that you continue to do just that and help us to be who we really are. You have given us a new life. We are a new creation and we thank you for that. Now help us just to help us just to trust, just to trust you in everything that we do. I pray that you will continue to watch over us and bless us and help us to have a great day today. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.